Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So uh, I assume that uh, everybody is at home, as they were last week. Certainly I am. <laughs> Certainly Jeffrey is. Yep. And, uh, and maybe maybe we'll give them something to do on their on their one uh, time they're able to leave during the day for, for exercise or shopping. Exactly. Maybe that, that, yeah. That'll be the podcast listening time. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should be listening to more podcasts when I go out to walk the dog with the sheep, uh, who the 700 sheep who live next door to me. So the uh, thought we had was that we might give people a tool to uh, kind of uh, exist in this remote-only um, situation that, that's probably new to a lot of you. And the particular tool we thought we'd use was, or give you was uh, active listening, something that people have probably heard about before but may not have applied. So Jeffrey, how, how would that, what is active listening and, and how would our listeners apply that in the world where suddenly we're all using Zoom for everything? Well, that's a good good question. And um, we're going to talk about active listening. And I think the way we're going to discuss it, uh, we, you and I have a shared reference, which is um, uh, Dr. Xavier Amador, uh, who we came across through his uh, LEAP method, uh, which the LEAP is an acronym that he has for, which stands for listen, empathize, agree, and partner. And the listening he has in mind is this active listening. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm specifying this because you'll hear different definitions of active listening in different places. And, and this is not to say that any of those that are different from ours are wrong. They're, they're, they're just different. So what do we mean by it is what Amaro described as sort of listening like a journalist. You're, um, so you're, you're listening to what people say, the, their word choices, and then you're going you're gonna to check it with them. You're going to say, do, so do I have this right? So, so Squirrel, do I have this right that in your view, there's a lot of people now who are working remotely who aren't used to it? Did, did yep. I get that? You, you got it right. That's right. Okay, great. And and that's that's right is is what we're looking for here. And that's that's something that's it's very interesting. This is uh, in a sense when you're actively listening, you're testing back with a person to make sure that you understood correctly. That you, in, in fact, not just that you understood correctly, but uh, it turns out that sometimes this is to make sure that the person spoke correctly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we 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 often uh, as as humans uh, when we speak, we're we're where we have thoughts in our head and words come out of our mouth and they don't always completely align. And so this testing uh, has a, a covers a correction for both problems that someone uh, either omitted something that they meant to say or said something they didn't, uh, in a, words they didn't quite mean, uh, or that I, I missed something uh, or misunderstood something. So it, this sort of listening like a journalist is what we're going for. And that, and that critical test there is when the person goes, that's right. This is really interesting. This is a, is a, is a key word. Um, it, it says that, you know, you've, you've really, it's the validation that you've, that you've gotten it right. I, this, I came across the importance of using, getting the words, that's right, recently uh, from a book I read called uh, Never Split the Difference, uh, which was uh, recommended to me uh, by Alistair Coburn uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, in there, Chris Foss makes a big distinction between when you hear a, that's right versus you're right. <laughs> Yeah, because you're not interested in whether you are right. That's that's not the important thing. Is that whether you have um, come upon an insight or you have got some new information. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that you've gathered what the other person thinks, and that yes. that person's thoughts and feelings and whatever they're saying has accurately been transmitted to you, which is remarkably difficult. And, and we'll we'll do an example in a minute. But um, one of the best things about uh, the Amador video, which we'll we'll also have in the show notes, along with Never Split the Difference and other things, is, is there's a moment where he um, does this with a, an audience member in a talk, 
And it's remarkably difficult. He does it with several different people, and none of them can say back what he said. Now, one of the things that's difficult is that he's um, portraying a schizophrenic patient. So he's portraying someone who is saying things that are demonstrably insane, right? literally insane. The person is not operating on the same plane of existence as the rest of us. That's, that's where he's trying to help them. And that's, that's his focus is on helping people who have that kind of difficulty and that disconnection from reality. So they're saying something like, uh, I don't need any medicine. Uh, the aliens are sending the beams into our brains right now. And what we need to do is go figure out where their base is so that we can um, uh, inter interfere with the beams and um, stop the uh, imminent takeover of the world. And that's <laughs> something that's very hard to say back to someone because large parts of it are not congruent with anything in your own brain. You may not be dealing with people who are schizophrenic, but I, I, probably most of our listeners are not. But there are certainly uh, the same kind of difficulties where there's something that's in your brain and something that's in their brain. And just getting it across from theirs to yours when there's mismatches and um, confusions of language and they're not completely clear about it is remarkably challenging. And so just getting that part right can be really useful. And especially in a remote world where suddenly you don't have all the body language, you don't have all the shared experience, you're, you have a box on a screen, which is uh, That's right. much more difficult. <laughs> That's right. It is. It is much more challenging. And I, I really like that you go back to this sort of the, the extreme scenario that uh, Amador developed this with. And that's why I think it's so helpful to us in unusual circumstances, because essentially it's been tested in a much more extreme environment than we're currently in. Um, hopefully, we don't look at our colleagues as all as being uh, schizophrenic, <laughs> and what they're saying is not literally insane. Although it's interesting that when there's a disagreement. In a meeting, it's it's very common for people to, to describe their colleagues and coworkers as saying things like that. Just, oh, I can't understand why they that. It's just insane. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. Why would they think that? That's nuts. Exactly. That's so. The, even though it's that's not clinically what's happening, that's often our reaction. And uh, so that's to me one of the reasons why this tool is so helpful, uh, because it, when you have that sort of feeling. Um, you can say, right, well, first, let's check <laughs> that I actually am hearing this correctly. And do I do I have it right? Now, the, the funny thing is that people have a lot of resistance to this sort of active listening, to, to saying back to person what the other person just said using the same sort of keywords. And there's a couple types of resistance I've come across from people. Um, one is that if they disagree, they feel like, well, if I say back to the person what I heard, it's it's like I am endorsing what they said. Mm. Yeah, I'd be agreeing that the aliens are are taking over the world if I were to say it back to them, or or, or less nuts. I'd be agreeing that um, skipping the tests is a good way of approaching our next release. Exactly. So, so Squirrel, if I heard this right, you're saying you're recommending that we just stop our testing so we can make the deadline. Did I did I get that right? Yeah, that's right, Jeffrey. Sure. No, I don't. I <laughs> and, don't think that. But, but, but that's the. But that's it. So people are, aren't willing to test, uh, and so they they lose the opportunity to um, sort of test their alignment with people, and uh, and I, to to build more of a connection. Because it turns out, if you believe I'm listening to you, uh, you're going to be more willing to listen back to what I have to say. So this is very uh, useful. So that's the first objection people have is I, I don't want to say things I don't agree with. And so again, it's this is where the, the frame of you're a journalist at this point. The journalist doesn't agree with the interview subject. They're just making sure they <laughs> heard correctly and that they recorded sure. the facts correctly. And yep. that's where you are. Mm -hmm. The other objection I get from people is they say, 
well, this is going to sound dumb. If I'm just saying back to the person what they've already said, I'm going to look like a moron. I'm going to I'm going to come across as really false. This is going to feel really artificial. Um, this is a very interesting objection. It's one that we've actually tested um, in the London Organizational Learning Meetup. At one of the meetups, we were practicing uh, this sort of technique, and it's something that David Burns describes as thought empathy, when you use the uh, keywords back to the person, and you're, and you're making sure you use their words, not not your paraphrase. And we, so we tested this where we'd have someone, you know, we divided up into pairs across the room and a person A on one side would make a statement about something about how they felt and the uh, other people would just mirror back as literally as possible exactly what they heard. And it was remarkably consistent result that when the people heard back their own words, what they felt was relaxed. They just, they, they said that it was like tension drained from their body. It didn't feel artificial. It didn't feel weird. It was, it was comforting. And that was an unexpected result for uh, everyone in the room that that would be the instinctive reaction. Um, so there, there's this perception we have of how it's going to come across, but my experience, my, the tests show me that actually it's very different. So this is what we're advocating for people is that they learn uh, the practice of active listening uh, and then we have some ideas about how to actually apply it. But but first, uh, Squirrel, I remember you, you, you told me that you uh, you have a, a bit of a challenge here. You want us to demonstrate what this looks like. Um, well, yeah, let, let's see if we can do it. And let's see if our listeners can do it as well. And unusually, this is one that you can do even if you're driving or walking or uh, somehow otherwise uh, engaged. So this is one that only requires your brain and your ears. So uh, what, um, although it might require you hitting the pause button, so don't do that if you're driving, but um, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you at least a little bit of a break to, uh, to, to try to, to comment. So what uh, I'm going to do is I'm going to be a person who might be on your next Zoom call. I'm uh, going to have a particular point of view, and I'm going to share that point of view. And the interesting thing t is to see whether you can actually say it back with all the elements that I include. I predict that our listeners will have trouble doing that. And uh, we're, we'll get a live demonstration. I haven't told Jeffrey what I'm gonna, what I'm, who I'm gonna be, or what I'm going to to do. So uh, let's see if Jeffrey can uh, uh, listen like a journalist. If he can hit all the the key points, it, it won't be surprising if if listeners can't or Jeffrey can't. Um, that would be normal. <laughs> exactly. So this is gonna be a test for me as well. Now, one thing exactly. I'll say is I'm 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 not too worried because what tends to happen is if I do miss something, as I say back to you, if I don't get exactly right odds are you're going to correct me. <laughs> so, And that's the whole point. That's, so it would be good if that happened because that would give us a chance to demonstrate that it's not always that the other person just says, that's right, and goes on. It would be most yes. helpful if the other person said, no, you missed this bit. And you say, oh, well, let me try it again. And then you try yes. to get all the elements. And then and only then do you go on to other steps like empathy and so on. So this is kind of no lose for me. Either either I get it all right and I, and I look I look totally skilled, or I miss some things and you correct me and we can say oh yes and that was a great example of how it all works out. Exactly, and and that's good news for listeners as well. So if you're trying this in your next uh, hangout call or whatever, um, you, if you don't get it quite right, if you don't uh, listen and and get every element, that's good. That means you have a chance to improve your listening and and improve your understanding. That's the whole point. Cool. So here we go. So uh, we're having a discussion about um, uh, our development organization and how it uh, how how we're handling it. I'm the CEO of the company. I'm not a uh, software developer. And here's All what right. I have to say: You developers, you just don't care about customers, and you never listen to me. 
We need a product to sell, and the market demands speed. You guys are just allergic to deadlines. You can't give me anything that uh, that I can sell. Wow, scroll. Uh, that was a lot, but I wanted to make sure I I heard you correctly. Do, do I have this right? That you're uh, what you're saying is that we developers that we 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 don't care, and um, we don't listen to you, uh, and uh, also that we we just we're not giving you anything to sell. Um, that the that, that what these clients really need from us is is speed. Uh, and uh, we're not giving that, and so as a result, you end up with nothing to sell. Is is that is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. Except the part that you missed that's really important there is that you guys just can't even think about deadlines. I ask you for one, and you say, "Oh yeah, maybe we'll get it done." You're never able to tell me any kind of commitment. That's right. You, that's right. You you pointed out that we were so almost like we were allergic to deadlines, and that uh, and therefore we're never giving you a deadline, even though you keep asking for one. Exactly. That's what's wrong with you. So then, then we might go on and have a discussion because I imagine you might have quite a different point of view, Jeffrey. But uh, that was a very helpful uh, illustration. I've, I forgot to have us pause, but I hope listeners had a chance to pause if they wanted to try that back again. Even so, even if even after you've heard Jeffrey say it back, I bet if you pause the um, the podcast now, you you probably would still have the same kind of difficulty Jeffrey did at um, naming all five elements. You don't care. You never listen. Um, I need a product, the market demands speed, and um, you guys are allergic to deadlines. Those were the five elements. It's hard to get that many. Yeah, and I, I'm going to guess that perhaps your um, rant there was inspired by <laughs> a, a oh, collage of conversations I've, you've heard. <laughs> absolutely. I've heard this many times, as I'm sure our listeners have. And I'll, I'll note also that the thing that people tend to leave out is the the most um, the the thing that's uh, either least congruent with their thinking, or that is most emotionally um, challenging. So, and allergic to deadlines matched on both of those because I imagine Jeffrey is very much not allergic to deadlines, so that's not going to match very well <laughs> with his his thinking. And he certainly doesn't think of himself as that. And also, it's quite an aggressive, um, negative uh, emotion attached to it. So, if I had just said, you know, I've asked for deadlines and I've not got them. That would have been one kind of way of expressing the same idea. You guys are allergic to deadlines. You can't give me anything is a very different thing. And it's often the kind of thing you skip. It's the kind of thing you don't bring back in the active listening. Right. Yeah. So that was a, a well done. That was a, a great example. And I, I was uh, not exactly sure. I had no idea we were going to go with it. So I uh, was, was happy. I was, if I got four out of five, you know, and, uh, and we got five out of five over, over time, that's really the point is that we, we can get there. It's a dialogue. Uh, and part of the dialogue is to make sure that um, that, that uh, I have heard and, and I've picked up on what's important to you yep. uh, to my to my counterpart. Now, th this skill we're describing, we we don't want to just give people the skill. First of all, we'll say this is something you can practice um, with other people. You're you're only going to get good at it with practice. So if you have other people who care about these things, um, you can you can practice them with exercises like the one that uh, Squirrel and I just did, uh, where someone makes up a, a dialogue and um, perhaps inspired by your reality, and then people can practice listening. But mm -hmm. I think we also want to give three um, examples of where people can uh, apply these uh, in the real sort of day-to-day of their work, you know, how how can you bring this into your meetings? And I, we have three things in mind, and and mm -hmm. one is as a pre-planned action uh, in response to a tell. And I think we described this before, but perhaps you can explain what we mean by that, Squirrel. 
Yep, so a tell is something that we uh, lifted from poker. So in poker, you have a tell that gives you information about what the other person might be uh, thinking or, or whether they're bluffing or something like that, uh, a raised eyebrow or um, hand on the forehead or something. And similarly, there are um, words or actions or situations that, um, that when you see them, you say, ah, this is the case where I'm not listening very well. This is the situation. This is what happens usually when I'm. Uh, I could really use some active listening, and then you plan an action. And in our case, the action would be: uh, Can I just say back what I heard? Well, I heard you say something like that. And you you uh, had the example of Jeffrey just before. He said, "No, oh, wow, squirrel. There was a lot there. Uh, 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 what I heard you say was." And he listed four things. And then I gave him the fifth one. And he said the fifth one. And then we went on. If that was a problem for Jeffrey, if he was having difficulty in communicating well with me, he might pre-plan that action as soon as he was saying uh, to himself, um, "I'm I'm lost, I'm confused." For example, that would be yeah. his. That could be his tell. Your tell could be something quite different. Right. A good. It could be. I was angry. You know, I feel attacked mm. by the CEO. This yep. is. If you, it 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 can be many different things. Um, it, it's and probably for myself. You know, each person will decide what you know when they know that this might be useful for them. When do you feel like you get a bit out of control in the conversation? Are those things that tend to happen again and again? Uh, you know, you, you probably won't think that the problem is uh, here's the part where I'm not hearing them, or here's the part where I'm not listening well. It's actually mm -hmm. the part where uh, you know I, we have these conversations and I get angry and I want them to be better, uh, or I get confused and I want them to be better. It's that, it's that part where you know that the conversation kind of goes wrong and that's when I can bring this in. Well, help me slow it down, help me check to make sure I have it right, and then we can move on. So that's that's the first use case of this is the sort of a pre-planned action in response to a uh, to an internal tell. Um, the next place I recommend people use this, and this is a, can be a bit more tricky, but it can be uh, useful as a facilitation technique. Now, this works best when you have uh, explained this to everyone on your team, everyone in the meeting. Um, so either you can bring this up, this idea, or you can send them this podcast. You can share with this idea with people of, of active listening and then say, look, I, I think that could be helpful if we can agree that we will, uh, when we see an exchange between two people, that one of us can intervene and say, look, um, just before you answer, can you say back to that person what you think you heard? And uh, and this can this this might happen sort of self facilitation like this essentially that's what you're doing with with a tell or someone else if you if I'm speaking I might say look before before you respond can you just test with me what you think you heard so I might do that if I if I feel like the the response isn't quite aligned with what I'm expecting but I've used this probably the most when I see two other people and this is, I think a lot of times in a group meeting there might be two people who are sort of going back and forth if as you're one of the people in the audience you have the ability with, from your perspective to just say, look, can we, I, I'm not sure we're, we're talking about the same thing here. Be, before you finish replying, can you just test the, what you think you heard back? And, uh, and that can often uh, be a very um, effective way to help the whole group conversation um, because it, it helps make sure that everyone is on the same page about what's being discussed. And particularly between two people, if in fact their disagreements rooted in misunderstanding you can save yourself a lot of time. Absolutely. And that's a nice one where um, uh, in that particular case, as with the example you and I did, you could do that 
whether or not you've done some preparation with the people, you can say, could you just try that? It is more helpful, as you say, if you've prepared ahead of time and said, hey, everybody, we might try this active listening stuff. But you could be intervening kind of as a facilitator there to say, um, hey, hey uh, I think you might not be understanding each other. Could you try saying back to each other uh, what, what, uh, what you heard? Yep. Now, our, our third and final example is going to be one that actually kind of brings together um, multiple good elements uh, for remote meetings. And um, so the idea here is um, that often in, in a group meeting, it can be uh, when we're all uh, distributed and we're all on different parts of the internet, that it can be difficult for people to fluently take turns. Now, this can be true even in a room if we're all there together, there we might have the problem that some people are more talkative, they're faster on their feet, and they, they're more likely to speak up, uh, and other people are a, a bit more reticent, um, and, uh, and it, it could be a, a, a worse meeting if uh, you have just a few people dominating and a lot of people in the room who never get a turn to speak. So, um, but this is exacerbated, the same problem of everyone having good turn-taking is exacerbated when you have the latency and internet coming in. Uh, it tends to even more um, uh, exacerbate the problem where the people who are willing to speak in and interrupting the people uh, and uh, you get this sort of imbalance. So that's a, the first problem we want to address. Uh, and then we want to overcome the other problems we mentioned with active listening, which is to say, uh, can we know that we're actually speaking about the same thing that we've heard correctly and spoken directly? And so to, to help with this, um, we have uh, done something uh, um, in a group facilitation uh, exercise, which I think, Scroll, you, you came up with this, and I, I think I like your name better, which is the, the active listening relay. Yeah, it's kind of like a relay race where you're passing the baton to the next person. So uh, what you do is in the group, and this probably wouldn't work so well with 100 people, but certainly it worked well with 10 when uh, you and I tried it, Jeffrey. Um, and uh, each person uh, turns to the person next to them, if they're physically together, if you're remote, you might pick a, an order like alphabetical order or whatever order Zoom puts them in on the screen or something like that. So each person turns to a next person and says um, some information. Here, here's how I'm feeling about this decision we're about to make. Here's the information I have to share, whatever it is that you're discussing. And then before that uh, person takes their turn, the, the first part of their turn is saying back to the first person what they said. So the first person might say, I'm feeling really uh, scared about um, uh, making this decision to, to pivot our company in the face of the, 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 the virus that we're all facing. And the next person says, what I heard you say is that you're feeling scared. And the person says, yes, but I'm feeling scared specifically about uh, the decision. The person says, I hear you saying that you're scared about the decision. And the person says, that's right. And then that person, the one who just said it back to the first one, now takes the baton and says to the next person, well, I'm feeling really angry that we haven't consulted our customers yet. Uh, I, I think that's a terrible thing that we're doing. And the next person says, what I heard you say was, and so on, and you go all the way around. There's no debate or discussion of uh, the topics except for each person saying back what the previous person said. The nice thing about that is it, it certainly gets everyone's views on the table, uh, equally so, and it freezes the debate. There'll be people who will be raring to go and say, no, 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 that's wrong. We're not doing that. Here's their, my point of view. They, they have to hold back and wait until they hear from everyone, and everyone's point of view is clearly articulated and uh, played back to them before uh, then the discussion can go forward. Yeah. Uh, and this active listening relay, uh, I think, uh, is something that is it's a very helpful technique. Um, 
especially in remote meetings to make because it does overcome this problem of turn taking and uh, and helps make sure that you're getting the advantage of the diversity of people in the room now in in this case you were focused on emotions because i think this goes back to we were um, using the six thinking hats technique uh, which we've talked about before and you were modeling as though we were doing the red or emotion hat but it's, exactly. it doesn't need to be just emotion it, it could have been uh, something about what's the most relevant fact, uh, what do you think is the most important thing for us to consider? Um, if if it was your vote, what would we, you know, what time would we have lunch? <laughs> it could be uh, many different topics where you're going around. It's just, this is a way to make sure that everyone's clear who, uh, who is speaking, when they're going to speak, and testing that people are heard correctly. So it, I think it works, uh, it works very well when you're doing something like parallel brainstorming and six thinking hats, but I think it also works more generally. Um, with with whatever kind of information you're trying to gather from the group. Okay. Well, uh, if listeners are trying out any of these techniques on your next Zoom call or, or Hangout uh, or whatever it is that you're using, uh, I'm not sure, do people use Microsoft Teams, uh, uh, conference calls? <laughs> I'm not sure. All the different methods that you're using, This could uh, these methods of active listening may be valuable to you. If you try them, we'd sure like to hear about it. You know where to find us. It's at conversationaltransformation.com. That's also where you can pre-order a copy of our book, uh, Agile Conversations, which is coming out in May. As far as we know, it's on schedule. So uh, get in touch with us there by whatever means you'd like to use. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and lots of other places. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. We also like it when you subscribe. So uh, we're coming out every Wednesday, at least as reliably as we can in these times. But uh, we're, we're here regularly. We like uh, when you uh, participate with us. And uh, if you hit the subscribe button, we'll be back again. All right. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Will.